0: Hello everyone, my name is uh, Justin Bayargent, and I am Dr. VR. I invite you to register to my podcast to stay updated with new episodes when they're published. So Simply hit the register link on Dr. VR's channel as well as the bell icon next to it to be notified. Dr. VR is also now on Instagram so please look out for the Dr. VR page at the underscore drvr for more details. And for this 12th episode, I have the pleasure of having Priam Givard, who is a senior digital artist, designer and technologist with a career focused to date on the digitally mediated spatial experience of things. So, most importantly, Perium's work seeks to encompass three intersecting, mutually reinforcing streams so, the commercial, exploratory, and academic sectors by exploring the broader user experience issues of how to make the user experience seamless and sensory, and also by breaking down the barriers between users and the objects in their environment they wish to experience or affect. So Priam, who has been working with VR since its mainstream inception in 2014, has designed and built large high-end interactive intellect, uh, installations that are exhibited internationally and has been awarded at uh, the 2017 American Alliance of Museums Award. So most recently, Priyam started a two- two-year experimental partnership with the Art Gallery of Ontario in Toronto, its gallery museum project called Bristol 1775, that's now available on Steam and in VR. Priam, welcome to Dr.
1: VR. Hello. So can you tell us a bit about
0: your professional background?
1: Um, okay, so I was originally an um, industrial designer, that's what I studied for. And I started working for Peugeot Automobiles in France. And very, very quickly, I realized that um, this wasn't for me. I love to make things myself, and I didn't want to stay in, a, in this environment, let's say. It was a little bit too industrial, too repetitive. And, you know, and a year is, you know, it basically asks you to do years of work to, you know, get somewhere where you actually can make your own car and things like this. So, you know, uh, and in the meantime, <laughs> Real-time graphics, interactivity was starting to show up its nose and it was time for me to decide do I want to get into digital. So I got into 3D software, obviously, and all these things for industrial design. And I thought, okay, well, I'm going to get into real-time graphics. I'm going to start working with video game engines. So I decided to do a master's degree again. And basically, that was about this, and that's how it all started. Well, that makes sense. Uh, I couldn't, kudo,
0: kudos on your two MAs, by the way. <laughs> Very <laughs> impressive.
1: <laughs> oh, I have one.
0: Oh, you have one? Yeah. I thought you did your second your, your second. MAs. No,
1: I did a BA slash Applied Arts in Paris, a little bit more than a BA, essentially, and then a Master's degree. And I just left that, you know, the art school part, essentially, to go into the... Digital, MA. Oh wow, very impressive.
0: So you've worked on various installations and immersive projects that were produced and exhibited internationally at venues such as New York Museum of Moving Image, Art Gallery of Ontario in Toronto, Uh, the New York City Met, uh, Korea's National Museum of Contemporary Arts. Basically, a lot of them. So can you tell us what drove you to turn to uh, work in the immersive field and are and in installations as well?
1: Uh Okay, Uh, pretty much the reading of science fiction books since I'm a kid, (laughs) the tinkering with video game technologies, and the dream of being able to be inside, you know, specific environments and to be touching objects in virtual reality and things like this. I did have access to virtual reality early hardware. About 20 years ago oh wow oh yeah so I've already I was already like a bit involved into technical tinkering and looking at things and um, yeah it's pretty much I saw I felt this was just possible at that time already so yeah I just went into it can you please expand on a little bit on your the first time you experienced VR 20 years ago well It actually, so there's a bunch of labs in the Paris universities and it was not in my lab at all, Mm -hmm. but a friend of mine just took me and uh, it's, you know, and he said, Hey, so just check this out, come and check this out. And I thought, man, this is exactly Tron, right? This is exactly, you know, like the, the, you know, the fidelity wasn't like obviously like, you know, 4k or anything like this, but you don't care because the soon, the moment you see spatial. Mm-hmm. You're just converting. You know? You're in the grid. Yeah. And after that, exactly, right? Yeah. Exactly. And then after that, what happened is network wise, a bunch of my friends were connected to a platform called Virtuals. Okay. And Virtuals was one of the first video game engines in France, actually, that, were, that was a startup, but it was also geared towards industry. Mm-hmm. So I was in industrial design, and I was interested to see, okay, well, that's interesting I can start designing and building things in real time using video game engines so I don't have to render I don't have to you know think about like how to present my angles and things like this why don't I put my 3D models in the game engine and start like working like this right instead and then later on hoping that one day I can plug VR to this game engine you know and things like this yeah and so I started getting interested into sensors electronics as well so just to pack it all together to get somewhere at some point. <laughs> yeah.
0: So if, from what I can see, you see to encompass, um, you know, three intersecting very different streams. So the commercial, exploratory and academic sectors. Yep. And you explore the broader uh, user experience issues of how to make the user experience seamless and sensory. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also breaking down the barriers between users and the objects in their environment. Yeah. Can you expand a little bit on this because that's so interesting.
1: Okay. Okay. And Okay. So, uh, let's say, you know, the barrier, a funny barrier for me in the computing environment is the keyboard. Yeah. It's not a barrier, but basically, you constantly have this keyboard to define abstract tasks to do, which let's say, for example, when you work on a 3D software. Mm-hmm. And you want to build things, you can't do it with your hands anymore. And I've been, I've been building things since my early childhood and industrial design, everything to making cars, making models with your hands and solder and, you know, and like, you know what I mean, like building things. Things anchored so, in reality. Yeah. And so uh, an enormous amount of the inspiration and the ideas is, are connected to your body, not to your brain. So when you make things, there's a lot of intuition you develop. Mm-hmm. Okay. But when you have to rationalize this intuition and, and you know and put it through a keyboard and put it through a bunch of rules before you actually get somewhere, it's it's kind of like stopping you in your tracks. And yeah. so for me, it was like, okay, well, game engines do the first thing. 3D in real time. Okay, it's on a miter right now, you know, but well, okay, let's, you know, start learning. So you know, inputs and outputs, software and everything, and then VR will come obviously at some point, or maybe I'll do it myself. Hopefully, you know, I get the opportunities and the time put stick, you know, a wire on your face, split it, just like, you know, um, the Oculus people did when they started, right? And so just basically working to put yourself into this space, right? Tinkering around and especially making sure that, yeah, you can start making things and touching things immersively and, you know, building things in space, in real space.
0: So mixing uh, reality with the virtual. Yep. That's very interesting, because not too long ago in a previous episode I interviewed Curtis Hickman, uh, the co-creator of The Void, yep. and The Void is, the, I would say, the perfect incarnation of the mix between reality and virtu- virtual, you know? Uh-huh. So I'm just wondering, because you worked a lot on arts, art installations, location-based VR in museums yep. and things like that. So. What does location-based VR experiences bring to VR that is so different from, let's say, room-scale
1: VR? Okay. Um, okay. So, number one, Curtis is at a level you know that a lot of us you know dream that we would have all the bandwidth to do and get into to mm-hmm. do all everything he did all these experiments you know firsthand, um, and like I'm a frank admirer. I'm like, I'm so happy that somebody is actually doing this stuff and just leading the charge. So um, that's location based. So location based uh, versus just in reality. Okay. So when you're just in reality, if you want to make it feel like location based, you're going to need a bunch of, you know, let's say physical feedback props. Yeah. And that's what's location based, right? you need space, you need physical space to obviously follow what the cues in VR are yeah. essentially. And so it's awesome. But hopefully in the future, a little bit better feedback, haptics, devices yes. and implements, you know, will appear. Um, I'm very interested into starting to study this at some point I've inquired for some phds and research Mm -hmm. you know uh potentials at different places okay um i don't want to stop my practice or you know like what i'm doing these days of course but i'm interested into also doing some research because there is a part where you do have to read and look at the literature Mm -hmm. on what is like psychophysics okay like Mm -hmm. curtis says right You know, you do have to kind of do a bit of homework on what perception is, proprioception is, and all the studies of like how do you make a phantom arm, Mm -hmm. right? How do you make things phantoms? They feel actually real, right? And then more and more, your brain and your body believes that they're getting feedback, right? And so you gotta build the devices, but you also gotta figure out what you don't need to build, and just build the right feedback that is going to do the trick. And so that for me, is really important. Mm-hmm. And so you need to muck around a lot, like, like, you know, again, Chris does that, right? You, you've got to muck around a lot, a ton, right? You need to like carve a little bit of space and time to do it. And so he, you know, as an intelligent person, and in the, you know, I mean, in, I guess, in his work, okay, I would do, you know, like, there's a bunch of ways and intelligent ways to, you know, build a company you know, and put yourself into that space and generate that space and figure out, you know, how am I gonna put myself into this space? So I think research is very interesting as well for that. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm thinking about research. Um, It's not obviously stopping me from thinking about just doing things myself, as usual, on the side. Because first, as foremost, you're an artist. So, yes, I mean, I've I've always been interested in arts. Mm -hmm. I've got a big arts education from art school. Mm And so making things obviously is, you know, part of the education you get, right? So you paint, you draw, you sketch, you sculpt. I've done that since all, all my childhood, by the way. I've been blessed, like my parents, and I encourage this in the family. So uh, we've had arts and built things and made things since we were kids. <laughs> I've made airplanes, I've made paintings, I've made comics, you know, all these things. and done, you know, and never stopped basically building, you know, like things that look good to me and pretty, just simple as that, right? Uh, I got interested into a little bit of custom cars, got into, you know, uh, tinkering with motorcycles and body works and things like this, did some externs and body works as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I inserted, I don't know, you probably saw that in my, my website, I inserted EL into uh, gas tank for more yes. for example. Looks very so, cool. so like basically Paints that lits on cars. So it's completely useless <laughs> stuff. But it looks pretty. funky, it's cool, it's fun. Yeah. And you know, it's part of the game, man. You know, we're mm-hmm. not here just to do useful stuff.
0: Speaking of arts and useful stuff, uh, <laughs> you recently started a two year experimental partnership with uh, AGO, uh, so the Art Gallery of Ontario, yep. a museum project called Bristol 1775 that is now available on Steam. And in VR, so can you talk to us about more, uh, about this partnership?
1: How did it all start? Okay, so I actually partnered with them with a previous project, and um, that actually took us you know, to the Met, as you mentioned, in mm-hmm. different places in the world. And it was a very simple project. We took a miniature and we blew it up to the size of like, let's say a big object, about like six feet wide. Or more that you could explode into parts and you would just walk around in VR and appreciate the incredible miniature details of the object you know by blowing it up in VR Mm -hmm. right so you just could walk through in VR and obviously a bunch of you know like making it nice you know like figuring out the shaders attractivity lighting stuff the space so that's like just very simple but you know thorough VR design and that worked out a lot and we figured out that, I mean, you know, you cannot touch artifacts in the museum, So It's a very obvious, you know, like it's not the famous know, so do not, a genius to yeah. figure it out, right? The famous do not touch rule. Yeah, mm-hmm. like why can't you then have a proper scan made of it, like x-ray scan or CT scan or any scan you want, right? Mm-hmm. And just like get those objects super, super precise, you know, blow them up so people can actually really look inside that, mm-hmm. right? Like, so that's what VR today could give you. It doesn't need much. It just needs to able to you know accept like large files which unreal does now mm-hmm. so the proposal at the time i i kind of like i kind of chased these people a little bit said look i have an idea for this museum product okay and i call it a product because you could make it a series mm-hmm. so the concept was let's make a series the treasures of for example of this museum and then We're going to put this, like, it's not Netflix, it's the metaverse that's coming anyway. So, you know, we're going to have, like, full production, basically, to build a historical environment, to, you know, like, work, you know, work the research with the researchers, right? And get into the artifacts. That's interesting. Right? And then, obviously, bring the museum context, the museum structure, and make a blueprint of, like, what is a museum prototype? A museum VR product prototype that we could do. So that's what we did, essentially. So you can, you know, you can go play this thing, right, and check it out. Mm-hmm. Really, what it is right now, it's a blueprint. We can consider it a blueprint. It's not the perfect product yet. This is not a full-fledged production budget, right? Uh, proper production budget would get you, you know, get you around like you know, 500k, a million. It's a production budget for like a museum show, right? Yeah. So we're like, okay, we're gonna do it lower budget, obviously, because AGO is like, okay, let's see it. Let's check it out. So they give us a budget, um, and then we were like, okay, we'll build this prototype. And the prototype is basically the structure of what you would have, right? So think about it as a blueprint. It's complete. You can go inside it. You can, you know, you go in it, go in there, check it out. It demonstrates has all the automations of like an automatic guide that could take you when you're just a normal person. It has multiplayer implemented, mm-hmm. so. Uh, Later on, we'll probably do, I mean, that's the plan. Uh, We want to do museum visits with a genuine AGO guide. That's interesting. So a a museum metaverse. I'm sorry? So a museum metaverse. Yeah. Like, so, you know, you can can say metaverse. It's like, we're all going into immersive. Yeah. Like, it doesn't mean that this whole immersive will be together. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, you're going to go places all the time. And then now the metaverse for me in my head is like, John Mnemonic's metaverse, or you know <laughs> what I mean, or like, you know, uh, Bruce Sterling's metaverse yeah. or, you know what I mean, like all the sci-fi metaverse. And then in these metaverses, you can jump in 3D space between wow. all those spaces. And it's like a real 3D world, you can lost in it, like the Oasis in uh, Ready Player One, whatsoever. Yeah, so, yeah. so obviously, the internet today is the 2D metaverse. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you go from 2D, you jump from a hyperlink to hyperlink, and you do it in 2D. And so I guess it should just organically happen in 3D at some point too. Of course, so Museums
0: 2.0 basically, enhancing the experience of doing things. Because I have the feeling you're, you're creating something that museums cannot fully do. So you're seeing the object, but we cannot deconstruct ourselves the objects, but you are allowing us to see what it's like as an object to be deconstructed and to go inside things that are not usually accessible to people.
1: That's really, really cool. And how did AGO react to this? Well, AGO loved it because you gotta, you know, take it from the researcher's point of view Mm -hmm. and, you know, the people who do the curation Mm -hmm. and work in the arts, they love those objects and what they want is to transmit. Mm -hmm. Right? There are people who just want to transmit. They want to do nice shows so people learn things about the context, about the manufacture of the object and the times, like how people live at that time, all that stuff. They really are passionate about this. They love that stuff. They're like, look, man, this, you know, this model here is unbelievable. You gotta understand it was made at this time and you know, and how they made it and the techniques and everything. Right? So, yeah, um, so it's pretty much like they were converted, like as soon as you know, we talked about VR. They were like, ah. Oh, that's the next big, big Okay, big. let's let's you know, let's let's have people seeing these objects like under a new angle. Yeah. Right. Um so yeah. So I thought, okay, but this time we're gonna do a blueprint for a product. So what product? What objects are we talking about? So the product okay, so what I mean by the product here is what you you know, like about 10, 15 years ago the notion of, of digital product came up. Yeah. Like an app or something, mm-hmm. a website, right? It's a product, right? Mm-hmm. But it, basically what it is, it's just like it's like an application that has specific UX to it and designed to be a so holistic thing mm-hmm. and it produces some kind of service or something, right? So okay, why not don't why don't we, we do VR products just like any other application? Yeah. That's right. all so, that makes so sense. and this is the template proposed by Blueprint proposed for a product from a Museum, right? and it has the object it has you know like the presentation of the object the, whole, the historical context and everything and it does also have the object itself that you can go inside of and the whole production for that as well
0: that's interesting so in your case with Bristol 1775 you're recreating an 18th century ship in 3D and in VR from plans and scale models uh, it must have happened have been an easy task. <laughs> so could you
1: explain to us how you went about it? Okay, so the first thing I did, and I'm just going to make some advertising here, but I connected everybody to Miro. Okay. okay that is number one. Good. And so Miro we has an infinite canvas, okay? So when researchers need visual evidence and then 3D artists need visual evidence and measurements and things like this, and we go back and forth, uh, then people, we, we started working with people in England as well at the British um, National Maritime Museum. Mm -hmm. So like, and then COVID came. So we had all these researchers, basically, and, and, you know, and, and curators, you know, together in conferences weekly, you know, looking at materials, measurements and showing everybody, okay, all right, so this is the blueprint. And those blueprints were original, by the way. Those blueprints were from the time. Wow. We're talking about like, we rebuilt a prison ship from a military ship from the conversion blueprints that were built at the, that that were there at the time as well. So was, You were working with 300 years old artifacts. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. B-I-G. It's a whole idea, like, yeah, the whole thing. Wow. The whole thing. yeah.
0: Amazing. And yeah, it must have been a hard task to scan everything, recreating everything in a game engine. I had the chance of experiencing it
1: myself, and it looks real, authentic. How did you do this? Okay. So Interestingly, timing, you know, being in the in this field, obviously, you do your, your cursory look around all the time, figuring out what's coming. (laughs) Right. And when we decided to use Unreal, because what was coming to Unreal was streaming meshes. Yes. And like a brand new lighting system. Right. So we were like, okay, we're going to do some, you know, 3D scanning on this shit. We already had a massive X-ray model, which actually is also in there. So mm-hmm. you can go check it out. You can check the models out. The models are also in the VR application. Yes. Uh, so uh, if you poke your head inside the X-ray model, you'll be able to see all the interior of the model. I know. It's mind-blowing. So <laughs> that's just now, it's like, just I'm going to make a quick parenthesis for a second. But for research, that's actually pretty useful. Mm -hmm. for a researcher, in general, right, that would want to visit a CT scan themselves, right, instead of having it on the screen and, you know, maybe risking missing a corner or a space, doing it in VR makes a total sense because you can really blow it up and walk around inside if you want. Then you may find things, like you know that they had to go inside the model at some point and they figured there was a lot left like a mini little node, right? And so if you didn't go with your stethoscope and endoscope, I forgot what they did, right, to find this, you would never find out, right? So VR has this like, you know, that's why immersive computing and things like that. All these things are coming out. They're going to help people, right, work much more efficiently because their body and the whole perception is going to be in there now. So
0: spatial computing
1: is the next big thing, you think? Yeah, absolutely. You do spatial computing in reality all the time. That's true. (laughs) Have you
0: been using it, creating your
1: projects? What do you mean by that? Using what? Spatial computing. Well, we tried. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you give me a demo, for example, the dev gives me, you know, whatever they have, right? And then we put it on Perforce, which is a little bit really, I would say, cumbersome. But anyway, everybody had access to the models, could put their headset on Mm -hmm. from their PC at home and check it out. So, uh you we progress like more or less like that but i'm not going to underestimate the desktop in that case okay the reality yes. is that Miro, for example mm-hmm. and the desktop were like the biggest tools <laughs> you know so we check the vr from time to time obviously we did a bunch of like you know like get together yeah and then go check it out get inside comment you know go through and everything uh, but you know yeah game engine are not a, Totally at that stage to, you know, really work seamlessly between, you know, researchers and people. It's getting there. It's a bit complex. Now. Did you? Um,
0: I you probably witnessed it. Gosh, it's splatting. Is it something that you used in your experience? Because I've heard, you know, it's something that's really big right now. Yep. Uh, so, is it something you use to create
1: your own so, project? So being curious about materialistic, you know, things like materials at the same time, industrial design, you know, components and real materials. Mm-hmm. Like for me, 3D scanning is really important. So I've like, I've done my like bunch of like experiments on that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about formats. So, you know, people have always looked for lighter formats, essentially, mm-hmm. and more efficient formats. Right. Uh, but Gaussian splatting is not like. A format that suppose that support that's say, extreme precision in meshes, Yes, for example. Mm-hmm. It supports visual fidelity mm-hmm. to a certain extent. And when you're going to zoom into it, it's just going to be floating particles. Yes. Right? True. But it's so much more efficient in some contexts. So, for example, let's say you want to go, you want to sort of like model or juggle landscape around your, your ship in a video game, for example. Mm-hmm. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. Because you're not going to get to go inside the trees, let's say. Yeah. So that's when Goshen's planning is awesome. I mean, um, and even photogrammetry itself, like it's a bunch of work. You have to decide what your real interest is. You know, um, it's still a bunch of work. Like with geo, for example, we took 50 megapixel photographs. Yeah. And massive series of them to just get that ship in there. So That's amazing. And you also have.
0: Two different types of visits for this uh, specific project. You have a more exploratory um, option where the user is invited to walk at their own pace and a most exposition method that is more guided. Yeah. Did you come up with this and why having these two possibilities?
1: Well, we did come up with this because just like you would want to touch an object in a museum without being told what it is. Yes you'd like to walk around somewhere without people telling you where to go. Yeah. And so, immersivity, even in the museum, you know, terms, like, um, immersivity is very important to them as well. Mm actually. And so, when you go into VR, you know, many, many times, you know, okay, I'll take the uh, the, uh, expression of saying design is 99% invisible. people have seen that before the website even that has this, you know, this name, Uh, you don't want to see the UI too much. But the UI is there as well to support. you. Mm -hmm. So we decided to do it like very, very simple, which is you can just turn it off. And then you can turn it on again. And it has all this augmented layer essentially. So now it's just a a layer, it's an augmented layer, right, like an overlay, you switch it on, and then you'll just like in AR, essentially show you things and arrows and directions and instructions and things, and then you take it off and then you could just walk. You know, I,
0: it's unnoticeable and it's going to make the experience more seamless. Yeah, that's
1: a, exactly. So yeah. we thought, okay, well, you could just appreciate the ship because it's a prison ship, so you're in the dark. You start from the bottom, and you can, you're, you, it's being built so that you can freely roam inside the whole thing. Yes, right. So and you have obviously a guided visit if you like. But you can free your own. everything is just there. So yeah, you need to also get a little bit of the ambience, a little bit of the atmosphere and the scale of things and stuff like that.
0: And an amazing thing about your project is you can interact with the object. Because I know this is part of something that you like, the object. Yeah. You know, you're really into the object and how you can use them, uh, interact with them. Something that is more tangible than virtual. And I felt like you really did this with your Bristol 1775 experience. Let's say you walk into a person who's holding a lantern. You can take the lantern and walk around with it. uh, And it's going to give you more lighting in darker places, for instance. Yeah. Can you, and I think it's fascinating. Can you expand a bit
1: more on this? Okay, so I'll just started with saying, sadly, yeah, we don't have a lot of physical feedback Mm -hmm. opportunities. But when you're doing a blueprint for a product, if you spend your time doing physical feedback, (laughs) you're getting out of scope. True. So at this day and age right now, okay, considering the development time that you have to spread onto everything. Yeah. Right. But obviously, yes, this prison shit whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It's uh, a lot of people would tell you, okay, when in the phase of design, I've had this actually in the design phase, like, oh, it's too dark. We can't move in there. You what know, I mean, like, people are going to be lost in VR, they're going to lose their balance and everything. I know that's VR, like, some people will get nauseous and everything. Mm-hmm. But like, we're going to do this as dark as it's supposed to be. Of course. Okay, and, and so you and ships have tiny anywhere. windows. It's, it's like, are you doing immersive or you're not? Yeah, like okay, so that's all the whole idea is, is VR allows us to go really, really far into environments we could not go in in mm-hmm. the real world anyway. So, we don't want to make those environments like pretty, you know, and lit again and everything. So, no, sorry, no, there is no lighting for the users in there as little as we can. There are some. We put some cheated lights in some places, Mm -hmm. so we will track your eye and let you go there and understand the structure of things, but we did that like almost nowhere. Like we just did it as minimal as possible. So yeah, so then you can walk around there and it's dark. (laughs) And that's the atmosphere, right? You switch the UI on, it's pretty much like laser-like, you know, instructions in space. So Mm -hmm. then you have no problem. Uh, And then the second thing is, yes, you can grab a lamp. There are lamps in this in those ships anyway in the real world you can grab a lamp and then you can light your way with this lamp if you want so this is an invitation to explore i'd say that um
0: yeah oh. can, yeah. yeah and you can also let us say you have a character who is there writing a letter you can come closer and read the actual letter <laughs> and it's something that's amazing you can read the book titles some the, <laughs> the titles written on their on the spines the book spines and things like that the textures of the flooring, everything is so detailed. It's beautiful. Thank you. Um, so it's something people should really uh, consider experiencing ASAP because it's wonderful. Cool. And so, yeah, breaking the barriers between users and objects, you showed it to me in this project that you've been working on and also deconstructing, deconstruction, uh, deconstructing rather, an artifact museum artifact you have this app you created when you have a an artifact room or is a museum normally again we mentioned the do not touch rule that is very famous but then you're breaking this rule you like breaking things patterns and i really like this um so you allow users to deconstruct the artifact and looking into it in different parts yep. so historians can study it and things so how did this happen
1: Same idea, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, artifact culture, let's say, is pretty much like human history. Yeah. And, you know, everybody loves to break things. Of course. I mean, not to break them, to break, Ah, it depends, actually. Sometimes, yeah, people like, you know, like to break things just to see how they break. And And to see how they're constructed. And then next step is exactly like, how does that work? Mm -hmm. Like, what's behind the the hidden, you know, what's behind this nice shell, right? And so, um, yeah uh, so people want to do that mm-hmm. and you naturally you would want to grab the objects you're looking at in the museum and you can't. so no we're very like yeah, I mean, hopefully you know like we're getting we're gonna get and I'm starting to see a lot of stuff happening in terms of haptics mm-hmm. right so, uh, there's a bunch of people leading the charge, like I actually, you actually know, doing pretty interesting stuff in their hands, yep. for example, uh, but I'd like to have feedback on my fingers. So that's gonna be another story. But I, when, when this happens, there's, there'll be more viscerality, and then you want things to be visceral, right? That's the whole idea of immersive, you know, it's, You want things to be visceral, and you won't. That's, that's pretty much all I have to say about this. And so that like your, your body learns, and your emotions learn as well as your brain. No, it's, 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 you can walk in there already, you know, you can walk in VR. Mm-hmm. And that's just great. Simply walking in 3d space without having to figure out, oh, what do I do to turn right or to turn left? Right? So yeah, now will this be part of the AGO project? Or is it something
0: else entirely?
1: Okay, so the AGO this right now, I'd like to frame it as a blueprint. That's why I'm just repeating that. Yes. Word. Uh, because I'm really interested in people trying it out mm-hmm. and, and giving me their business perspective if they're business people, mm-hmm. give me their artist perspective and all these perspectives to just like talk about this idea of a blueprint. And that's a blueprint for a museum, you know, artifact exhibit. It's a blueprint for that, right? And it starts sort of like a conversation in a way. Yeah. So, like, if people can re feedback, right? Say, oh, you know what? I didn't like that. That failed. Right, but in the vision, you know, that makes me think of oh, it's just like okay, here's a vision, mm-hmm. right? What do you think, right? Um, and it's because I think we're all building this stuff right now. We are. So we're all building this metaverse, as people would say, or like just in VR in general.
0: We're yeah. chill f- we're trying. We're still figuring out what VR is.
1: Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So actually, a bunch of the things that you know, like for example, you have a bunch of uh, say this let's say UI in payments, let's say, right, in video games, for example, like, you cannot use that in the museum. Mm -hmm. Okay, you cannot use teleportation in this thing, like, because it's so small. (laughs) And and like, you know, you you can't use those things. So you have to figure out ways that are even more basic, you know, like, so people can intuitively just walk around and not get lost or not get into walls and understand the space they're in.
0: So I feel like virtual reality could be the next big, giant step in uh, human sciences, honestly. I think so. Honestly. I think it could No question. Be. Uh, regarding history, sociology, anthropology. No question. Yeah. Uh, it's so fascinating. What do you consider to be a successful VR experience? Uh, it,
1: it Okay, every experience has its own criteria, you mm-hmm. know, like, the outcomes. It's almost like, you know, for this museum thing, it's learning outcomes. So, AGO actually, right now, is very curious when we drop this and we're going to start doing user testing and visits and things like this. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are going to be the learning outcomes? Right? So, how is that going to, you know, I mean, that's all. Like, not the learning outcomes is like, we could have a list and do that, like that, you know, very cold UI, UX, you know, people would do. Yeah. Uh, but the problem is, it I think it's it's larger it's a larger picture mm-hmm. uh, so we just we don't want to just think about that only. Uh, We want you know because yeah exactly VR is like new man like so there's a lot of things we can do wrong <laughs> all right
0: yeah that's true
1: am I answering that question or you are okay. you are
0: well we're all learning from our mistakes basically we're trying to invent something that hasn't been invented yet just like the beginning of cinema you know, right? They were just putting their cameras out there and filming stuff.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I would say that cinema isn't really like, it's funny, but VR is, I would say set in a funny way, should be more intuitive than cinema.
0: It is. Yeah. Because
1: it's like, it's a one to one with your space. Yeah. With your body. Right. But because it's so highly visual now, and there's no feedback, like, you know, you don't hit the walls, you don't grab the objects yet, which really is what interests me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so I think there's a bunch of work to do with, you know, obviously haptics and sound. The new haptics, you know, hardware that you have right now is fantastic. You have coils instead of like, yeah. you know, uh, eccentric uh, magnets. Mm-hmm. So like, there's a bunch of things that, you know, just like, if you do it right, and you experiment on those, you might find really interesting nuggets. Right? So you're
0: interested in the friction?
1: basically good point yeah. exactly and actually i've got some ideas on that like uh so i'm experimenting right now a lot with uh touch designer by the way oh. uh so just wanted to you know put that in like yeah um the game engines are great but sometimes they lack a bunch of like going under the hood easy true. an easy way mm-hmm. for features. feature so with touch designer is the exact opposite you can prototype and you can access you know about anything you know very easily and so it's fantastic for actually experimental uh you know things like i've you know i've used it actually for photogrammetry and all kinds of things like this mm-hmm. i've done a bunch of vr installations i mean not a bunch of it but a bunch of vr experiments, let's say yeah uh, i exhibited just one or two of them actually uh, with touch designers and okay. with Touchdesigner, you can definitely connect grain to grain. You want the grain of this, mm-hmm. and you want this grain to be felt, you know, into, let's say, on your controller, and the whole yeah. tr- the, the whole structure of that grain will actually be felt on the oh, surface. Like that. Yeah. that is not a problem in Touchdesigner. This is a thing I have in my head, yeah. I, have, I have a whole, yeah, I have a whole setup for it that's just waiting to be done. Do you have other things to do these days? <laughs> uh, they're as interesting, anyway. But yeah. yeah, so that's something that I'm really interested in. That's wonderful. wonderful. Yeah. So we've, we've been
0: talking about freedom of action. You know, your um, your your app, your project Bristol is. You know, you allow users to walk around, experiment the whole thing at their own pace. Yeah. How much freedom of action do you think VR experience should have to be considered a successful one?
1: Huh. I didn't. You know, like. I don't know all of us, but like I haven't done that many full, you know, fledged VR experiences. I in it every day, but uh, I would say for me, it's gotta be big. Yeah. It's gotta be really big, like big. In spatial. terms of scale, spatial. Yeah. Okay. It's gotta be big. It's mm-hmm. gotta feel huge. Mm-hmm. Um, that's for me one thing. It's kind of simple. But that's why, anyway, you know, if you look at this, you know, this thing, you can actually get out of the ship. <laughs> you can go through the ship, you like, because then you can feel the holisticness of something. You're not just in one facet of the thing, which, which you get, you know, it's what you get with the, with monitor, you see? you get one facet of things. Yeah. And so in VR, you almost want to see like, oh, I've walked all around this house. And now yeah, I'm away I from the house and look at the house and I see this, this is what I'm into. This is what I was into. Right. This kind of like get out of the box part. Yeah. So you're
0: into the ship, but then you can dip your toes in the water.
1: Yeah. Like so you can just like get away from it. And look, oh, this is a whole thing. You walk around, go, oh my God, this is massive. So you get this thing, right? So I think in general, VR is nice when it starts providing this notion in the sense of like space and, and, and really big things. I like the um, notion
0: of space that you just said when it comes to VR. I mm-hmm. think it is very important. It's probably as important as uh, you know, haptics and all the
1: things like yep. that. Yeah. Notions of dimension. Yep.
0: Notion of Yes, that's very
1: interesting. I mean there's a form of haptics, okay, for you to walk and feel space. Yeah. You know, and then you could say oh proper and things like that. yeah. There's a bunch of things like space is actually physical. It is. And so it's good for people to to understand, you know, to feel that essentially in VR and not to have to uh, think of it abstractly, mm-hmm. but to actually develop that internal mechanics and picture and feel so it has to do with the eidetic memory, it has to do with all kinds of things. Like it has to be tangible and spatial. Yeah. Right? And so these things allow you to learn and and understand, you know, much more, essentially, and enjoy it, yeah. by the way much more.
0: What's your dream VR experience?
1: My dream VR experience? Yeah,
0: because you're building some, you're experiencing some.
1: Okay, so I'll tell you uh, and go nuts, go crazy. That's going to be like a lot of, you know, I'm going to say, well, man, you haven't done you haven't read enough, maybe to say this because it's not you're not getting it right. Whatever. Um, But what I'm interested in is I'd like to do an experiment where I have a a, uh, atomic building block system, mm. let's say, for example, so I have some, uh, you know, hydrogen atoms and other atoms, okay, mm-hmm. like the Mendeleev table, for example, and just to start learning how the weak force and the strong force of, you know, of the, of the different basically forces that bond atoms to others, right, and just like, actually grab it with my hands, grab atoms and start like playing around with molecules and atoms essentially in space like Lego. Yeah, that's right. great. And but having actually haptic, I'm going to say gloves for now, because that's what will be available more and more. And that's what we're going to have, obviously, but there is going to be other probably systems like, that are smarter, but actually to refill the pool. Yeah, okay. And, and the, the Lego part and the, the articulation of these objects, right? And get a different scales and just play with that. Like for me, so that get body knowledge of mathematical, embodied mathematical principles. And you know, like that's that's what's gonna happen. I mean, sooner or later, you're gonna have young guys or girls, whatever, yeah, people hacking into, you know, uh, university medical VR learning software. OK, mm-hmm. and they're going to and it's just going to go online. It's going to hack into that and say, I just want to learn how to do, you know, like a fixer leg, you know what I mean? In combat. I don't know. You know what I mean? And then or, or, you know, or just like I want to put a chip in my arm, you know what I mean? And I want to do all this. And they're going to go in VR and they're going to em- do this all this embedded learning, mm-hmm. right? Where, you know, it's just going to be so much simpler. Yeah. It's just going to be so much simpler because you can just augment like what you're doing in VR even with the math directly the equations. You know, and you could just like see both the, you know, both sides of the coin. Like you can go on the space station directly and start fixing things, you know what I mean? Like that's the dream classroom, right? Dream classroom is we go into this universe all together in VR. And then we learn basic engineering principles. And so you you you're the captain. You are the you know you're the guys who has the screws and you're so you give the roads to the kids and suddenly it's like We learn in unison. We learn in, you know, with purpose. We learn with, you know what I mean? Like, like this dimension is insane. Like, insane. The future of VR is nuts.
0: That is very interesting. And I can still feel that you're trying to break the boundaries between users and objects again. Yeah. It always goes back to it. And that's what's fascinating about your approach to it. And that's what we need more because I feel that, the user should be at the center of a VR experience and not the opposite. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. What's next for you, Priyam? Well, next for me, honestly, is serious VR. Mm-hmm. I call it serious VR because I love video game engines. Don't mistake me. But uh, I go in video game engines just to visit these days, oh. just to check out the space, to check out the craft, the, 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 the landscaping, the UIs, right? Like, I look at them and it's like, oh my God, they did a great job here. You know, this is an interesting idea. That's cool think that, That's why I would go to video games these days. I don't have really, like, it's just, for me, way too much gameplay versus what you learn. Mm-hmm. I'm more interested into, like, just going into, yeah, VR application. Like, that's why Just video games like this now, actually, they're really interesting. Uh, where, like, you know, it's about, like, build your own custom car, race car, truck, and things like that. So you're in the building paradigm. Yeah. That's interesting for me. Um so the future for me yes really is all this industry which is I personally foresaw that when I was in industrial design when I was younger is industrial VR. Like right? we are going to space. Yeah. If we're going to space, I'd like to be involved. <laughs> and even so the kids, <laughs> yeah, kids want to be involved, of right? Course. And they and they want to go okay, cool, then then why don't we start simulating? Why don't we start having all these you know, like the Artemis project, for example, right now, is like everybody, all the industries are starting to go into this project. Right. Yeah. And you have the, you know, you have the robots, you have the, the you, you have everything. You have the, the you know, the scaphandons, you know what I mean? You have the, the headsets, mm-hmm. you have the, you know, you have the, the station they're going to build over there they're going to use the Regolith to build something, all these things. Right. Like if, you know, like people having access to this in an immersive way and everything could just be part of it. Right. And then like, maybe, you know, with the designs, like, you know, like, look at the designs. Like NASA is public design, right? So you want to see a rocket from NASA, you want to see it in 3D. And you want to see it all accessible and you want to simulate it. You know what I mean? You want to get close to it, study it, research it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like all the new generations are going to come up, they're going to go, Okay, they know the rocket. Okay, they're like, nah, we need to change this. <laughs> you know, like, cause like some kid will go or say, oh, oh, other older person. It doesn't matter actually. It's multi-dimensional. Anybody that has a different perspective could suddenly see some, something and bring something. Yeah, and just like be part of the, you know, there's different context. You know, contests. Yeah, contests. Like you know, like say another is going to do a call about like Martian vehicles. Yes. Different okay. Context. With yeah. those specs, right? Yes. Like just a call, right? So why can't you know like mm-hmm. people could get involved in that and just like propose you know paradigms and concepts? So for me, yeah. Anyway, it's immersive learning, immersive participation, you know, shared knowledge. Shared knowledge, yeah. That's really cool. and
0: purpose. Of course, always. Uh, where can we follow your work? Key, keep up, keep up being updated about what you do. <laughs> that is a problem. <laughs> 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 I will
1: be honest. Uh, I'm I'm pretty uh you know I'm having a hard time finding time mm-hmm. to just put all this stuff, you know, like I'm, and every day I'm like, oh, this is going to be good for my Instagram account that I haven't made yet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I closed my previous Instagram account because it was just messing with me too much. Oh. It was like, it's just uncontrollable, man. I don't have the time for this bullshit. It's like uncontrollable. <laughs> it's like it puts, you know, like at some point you end up posting things that are not really relevant and stuff like that. It's yeah. like a whole curation work and you have to fight, you know, and then you have to teach it to bring you things that you want. I'm like, cool. But you know, I can only absorb so much a day to be efficient. I completely know um, what you mean. So <laughs> yeah, so like having maybe a studio, I'm, I'm interested to doing a collaborative studio. Uh, like to do a lot of experiments uh, in what's coming. That's and interesting. so and if I could, you know, get into different partnerships with industries and everything. Yeah, I'd be gladly building prototypes and things like that. and work on a prototype basis. Um, Very much into prototyping, I would say. Hmm. Like a lot into prototyping. Yes. Rapid prototyping, assemble things with different applications, different, you know, like different realms, essentially. Like a lab environment. Yeah, like a lab environment. Like, you know, just that you bring in some electronics, bring some sensors, bring some big relays, big engines. Yeah. big motors and then do stuff right and then mm-hmm. plug the game engines with an electric motor and then do stuff with it or you know take a robot arm you know and stuff like that like 3D print stuff and yes, then, you know all these things that just involve this membrane of like you know digital to real and real to digital so that you know it participates into the real world, like we feel what we do. Yeah that's the next big thing I agree with you. Yeah. It was a pleasure to have you on Dr.
0: VR thank you so much thank you very much it was a pleasure too for myself thanks